stuff. And I'm just opening up the invitation to actually try to maybe practice this at home as well. If, you, if people want to really learn meditation, you really have to do it in your own time this is, and, and practice it regularly. Um, but these two books I highly recommend if you want to buy anything that's easy to read, Jewish-based, and really, really cool. The Art of Amazement. The Art of Amazement. What's it about? About meditation. the process of meditation. <laughs> and about also, <laughs> and about how being amazed, like when you're like, whoa, that awe, that beauty, is, is the key to being, having a transcendental experience, actually. It's very interesting. You wouldn't think that. The art of being in wonder about the world and curious and, and, and amazed. And, you know, I guess like I try to be when I'm watching Tidal Waves. Just throwing that in there. Um, you know, um, is, is the key to, to moving past yourself into deeper states of consciousness even. It's fascinating. Like, you wouldn't really necessarily connect it. But it, um, they go, it go, he goes through the Shema and all sorts of things, like other blessings as well. But also there's a lot of exercises of meditations he gives you to do. So it's very practical and goes through the model from a Jewish point of view and it's, it's fantastic. So that's number one. And the famous one that is like the Jewish Bible on this topic is um, Jewish Meditation by Rabbi Arya Kaplan. Um, oh, yeah. hmm? It's the one that uh, the guy from Svat always says. Yeah, this is like the go-to book. Also very good. So these two books. Okay. And a lot of my stuff will be based on that. Um, and a little bit about my background for those who don't know. I was a psychologist in Australia um, for many years before I discovered anything Jewish at all, really. I mean, I was born Jewish, but I didn't really care. Um, and I did meditation every single day for about seven years, um, 30 minutes to an hour, many times an hour. But I built up to that. It started with five minutes, 10 minutes. But for seven years, I, I, I don't recall missing really more than a day or two. And um, I was really committed to it. Uh, I guess like how Jews are with prayer, right? So that's what I now, I, I pray every day, I meditate every day. I meditate if I need to like focus and get into the zone. Um, but uh, I had some crazy experiences with meditation that I can share with you. Are we recording this? Yes. Okay, so I will stop the. <laughs> I'll stop the. We'll stop it when I want to share things, just because I don't want to flying out. Okay. Um, but um, but I just felt that that background and that that experience I had myself with the meditation and the benefits of it, it was worth doing a series, and people seem to be interested. So, that being said, um, what's the time? Eight eleven. Okay. Yeah. Can we hear one of your stories? Pardon? Can we hear one of your stories? Yes, but I'll, I'll throw it in as we're doing it. I mean, I'll, I'll put it in. Um, the first thing I wanted to read is something from your Solicitor Sharon. Let's hand this out quickly. Thank you. Sharon is a Muslim. A Muslim Sefer, it's, um, it is uh, one of the most classic books on developing yourself internally. Vasilis Yasharim means the straight path. And it's a very good intro to, to, to what we're trying to do here, like why are we doing this? Who wants to read the first paragraph in English? Oh, yeah. Go. This is surely one of the shrewd ploys of the evil inclination, which relentlessly labors to burden the hearts of people until they are left with no spare moment, either to contemplate or to observe the path they are taking. For it notes that if they would only minimally devote attention to their ways, they would no doubt immediately begin to regret their deeds, and this regret would intensify until they would abandon sin altogether. Who 
wants to read the next one? I'll do it. Mm-hmm. This is similar to the advice of that wicked Pharaoh who said, The work shall be made harder for the men so that they shall be busy doing it and not talk about trivialities. His intent was not only to deny them any respite from their work to take note of their own plight or to plot against him, but also to prevent them from any reflection by means of ceaseless toil. Okay, so just going to stop there. Um, usually, we know with the Yetzirah, right, the evil, the inclination. Everyone knows the Yetzirah, the the, the the force inside of ourselves that wants to sabotage our spiritual growth and our our um, development. And it has many tactics to do that. How to help help us self sabotage. Normally, normally we refer to it around desire, like it has desires for things that aren't good for us spiritually, right? But, but usually the Yetzirah is linked in with those kind of things. Here, this is like a new idea. But the Yetzirah really comes to destroy you by getting you to um, not have a single spare moment, right? To, to reflect on anything. That it's, it's the, the, the tactic of the Yetzirah to undermine you spiritually so you don't grow and become your potential is that it will keep you so busy that you have no spare time to think, reflect, concentrate, right? And, and you're just distracted all day. Sound familiar? It's like, unbelievable. Like, I didn't even, this was new to me, right? This is a, a tactic of the Eitzahara. And um, interestingly, so you think that's really nice, but where do we see that in the Torah? Because everything that happens is true. We see there's a, there's a root of it in the Torah. So interestingly, when we were slaves in Egypt, the wicked Paro said... There's a, there's a midrash specifically that talks about this. The work shall be made harder for the men. When, when Moshe and Aaron came and said, let the people go so they can worship to their God in Egypt, I mean, to leave Egypt, go to the desert to make an altar for Hashem, and he wanted them to let, he, them, him to let go of the, all of the Jewish people. So is like, this is ridiculous. Like, you obviously have too much time to think, right? So you have too much time to think. The work shall be made harder then for the Jews, so they shall be busy doing it, and not talk about such trivialities. So Paro's intent was not only to deny them any respite from their work, to, to think about what's going on for them, to take note of their own plight, or to plot against them, but to prevent them from any reflection, right, by means of getting them to work non-stop. So if I just get them to work non-stop, they're not going to have time to reflect on anything, and they won't keep bothering me with going out to serve their God, to do something spiritual. So you see that... Is there a spiritual... Yeah. You see that you see that only when we're kept busy non-stop is, is a time where, where there's a guarantee that we won't grow. So I thought that was really, really very interesting, number one. And um, the in Hebrew, the word to disturb, I guess, um, or to bother is lahafriya. Right? To bother to disturb is lahafriya. From the root pay resh iron. That was his whole root, the whole goal of Paro. The idea that 
It, it, that's para. Does anyone know what oref or means? Backwards? The reverse of that? Oref? Israelis, hello. <laughs> no? Oref? Oref means neck. Right? <coughs> neck is oref. No? <laughs> Maybe no. It could be that it could be that's in biblical. Yeah, it might be biblical Hebrew. Oref means neck. What is the purpose of a neck? Connection between the head. Right. So paro, reversing paro, it is inverse, which is to disconnect the heart from the head. Right. His whole goal was to disconnect us. Right. It's it's wild. Okay. If you just think about this idea. That Mitzrayim, Egypt. Mitzrayim, do you know what Mitzrayim means? The essence of the word Mitzrayim? Narrow. Yes, it means narrow. It's a narrow land. Why was it a, a, a narrow land? Because there was the Nile River. The Nile River was there, right? The, the narrow refers to, do you know what narrow refers to here? When it says Mitzrayim means narrow. What was narrow, Mitzrayim? Why is it referred to as narrow? Like there was only one way to be. Right, so there was, it was narrow in consciousness. It was very narrow in the consciousness, right, at the time. The Nile, and it was interesting, and the, there was the Nile. The Nile, Nile, they would go down, they would carve out a canal from the Nile so, to, to where they're living, so they wouldn't need any irrigation, right? They would constantly have water in Egypt. And it was so convenient, right? So it doesn't really make sense because they kind of had everything. So why is it called narrow, right? Everything was, was, was plentiful there. So the narrowness here is referred to that when we're so comfortable, we're so comfortable, we have everything at our fingertips, we sort of take things for granted. So our consciousness becomes constricted the more comfortable we are. Right? I don't have to think. I'm not bothered by anything. I have everything coming to me. I don't have to think hard about anything when I'm comfortable. Right? So this idea that the narrowness came with this physical uh, comfort is a, is a very important concept. And you don't need to appreciate anything. You never get to go meta. You never need to contemplate. You never need to um, reflect. So there's a constriction of the mind. Okay. Um, Israel, on the other hand, by the way, was called Eretz Rehava, a wide land. Right? We had a wide... And we're constantly, constantly, we're obsessed with rain. With wanting rain and water. We didn't know where the next rain was coming from. We didn't know where the next water was coming from. So the idea that we're focused on the rain and we're focused on needing to appreciate every drop. So the consciousness was wide, even though it was a struggle sometimes. We didn't have the Nile there to be able to live. So just, just par- paralleling those two things. So it's interesting, in New York, we have the, the pizur, the para, the, the, the dist- we have the, dis- disturbing, the disturbance of constant distraction in New York, right? Constant distraction all the time uh, in, in our generation as well, not just New York. But specifically New York, because we're like, I don't know, New York is like a city on steroids to me. It's like, right? So we have, we have the constant distraction of the para, disturbance, and we have the comforts at our fingertips. So we're fighting two major, major yetaharas here. You, you see? It's a real battle. To just come to a soul class on a Tuesday night when it's pouring is enormously heroic. It, it really is. You know, I don't know how many people don't, didn't come because of the rain. And because of the, they're, they're not comfortable. It wasn't comfortable to come tonight. We're sitting all here in boots, right? It's not comfortable. So you have to overcome something and a resistance to be able to, to fight for your spirituality here. So firstly, Mazel Tov that you all came, right? 
um, you guys did it. You, you just naturally fought against that and came, and you're tired. You had every every excuse in the book to stay home tonight, really. And the rain's just that extra little. I don't want to come, right? Um, so, okay. So the Menuchas Nefesh, the opposite of this pizur, this bothering, is when we have a, a settledness in outside of ourselves and we can focus on one thing in a settled way rather than be all over the place. So that's really what I want to focus on a lot for the next four weeks is the idea, this idea of Menuchas Hanefesh. Menucha means tranquility, serenity. And it comes when we're able to, our mind is settled and we're able to focus on one thing. You know the feeling when you're trying to focus on one thing and there's part of you focusing on one thing and there's another part of you completely distracted with something else or fighting that thing, right? So you're trying to focus and at the same time, there's a million things going on. So it's the mind has a mind of its own, right? That's, that's exhausting and it doesn't allow you to access your depth and it doesn't allow you to have that, that tranquility and let alone any other higher states of consciousness, right? So without even just trying to flex a muscle and control the mind in that way and practice to train the mind to be in one focal point, then you can never have that sense of ease and that sense of um, tranquility. Um, when you can get that focus, all sorts of crazy things can happen. I, did I tell you the story of Rav Eliashev last time? Did I tell you the story? There was a famous Rav um, in, in Israel and they, all people came in at the certain 15, 20 minute block to ask him questions in, in Israel. And then when they were finished, the Gabbai got them all out and he would continue going back to learning. And there was one time where everyone filed out and one guy was left in the room and he was hiding at the back and everyone left and the Gabbai didn't see him and he walked out and he's left in the room with like the Gabbai door, the top rabbi of the generation. He's left in the room by himself. He's like, oh my gosh, I have this, this amazing rabbi to myself. I could ask any question I want. And he goes up to him and at that point, Rabbi Lisha had started learning and gone, you know, had been, was back in the, the, the Mora and learning. He said, excuse me, Rabbi, excuse me. And he tries to in, you know, interrupt him. And he's does, he just doesn't look up, look up. And he says, excuse me, excuse me. And he's like so saying it louder and louder. And the rub looks like he's completely ignoring him. And he didn't understand what's going on. At some point, the rabbi, the, his, uh, his rabbi who helps you know, run, the, run the thing, comes back in. He sees him. He says, oh, he's not going to even hear you. He's like, what do you mean? He said, he's so, he's so in what he's doing with the Gomorrah that he, won't even, he doesn't even hear you. The level of his concentration was so great. This manuka sanefesh is the ability to focus on one thing. You are completely with that thing that you can block anything else out. And when it's time to answer questions, he puts it away and he's completely present with whoever's answering questions. And when he doesn't want to, he puts that away and he's completely present. We can only imagine what that's like, right? I can't focus if someone, like I'm trying to pray and someone's talking next to me. I'm like, shh, you know, because I can't focus my mind enough to be in the prayer book to, to block that out. You hear but that shows his mastery of the mind. So that's what we want to practice here. And um, it's, very, it's much, much harder than you think. The mind is like a, a wild animal. It's like a wild animal. So just even as a little precursor now, um, we're, we're just going to do a little experiment to just stop what you're doing, straighten your legs, and... You can do it however you want. Um, by the way, you should just know meditation is meant to be done in a comfortable meditation is meant to be done in a comfortable position. Okay. So everyone used to think that the sitting cross-legged on the floor or like the lotus position is the right way to do it. But that was only because the Eastern Eastern people, Eastern Easterners, 
that's how they used to sit on the ground. So they were comfortable doing that. Westerners, we're not used to that. So often you get on the ground, you've got these Westerners going, oh, like it's not, it's not really about the position, right? So you're comfortable like that because maybe you're smaller. Like you did as your ground, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what you should, so that feels that's comfortable for you. So whatever you're comfortable doing. But um, so just close your eyes. We're not going to do a long meditation. We're just doing this as a little experiment, like for a minute. Um, I want you to focus on the letter Aleph. If, if you don't, if it's hard for you to conjure up a letter Aleph, you can do a letter A. But just focus on the letter Aleph and nothing else. Conjure that up in your mind's eye, in your mind, and just focus on the letter, nothing else. And I just want you to, to focus on that and see how long you can actually focus on that without your mind wandering or being interrupted. Mm-hmm. Okay, you should have all failed by now. Yeah? So it's literally more, not more than a few seconds, right? I mean, without having another thought come in. What is considered another thought? Like, if I'm imagining myself drawing olives to focus on olive, is that... <laughs> Ooh, that's tricky. No, that's what I, I, was that's like, what I had to do in my, order to focus on it. I but after a couple of seconds of you doing that, you probably are thinking something else. It's unlikely you weren't. And then brought it back to that. Maybe, yeah. But then, right? So, meaning. (laughs) Right, you should do it again. Yeah, what did you see? Like, my mind kept thinking about focusing on it. Like, it was. Yeah, usually the the thought is, I'm not focusing on the Aleph. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking, only think about the Aleph. Only think about the Aleph, right? Um, Hello. Hello. So sorry, we're late. Hi. Hello. Hey. Are there extras? Extra chairs? Um, okay, so we can see that the mind has a mind of its own. I didn't draw the triangle for you yet, did I? No, I don't think I did. There's the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, or some people call it the unconscious mind. This would be like, um, let's say, coma, subconscious mind is where dreams dreams come from, meditations, hypnosis is where you access that, and the conscious mind. Okay, so in the conscious mind, the conscious mind is anything that you're aware of in your life, in your in your in your life, right? Anything you're aware of? Can you guys see? No, you can't see. Can you see? Can you see, Eliza? Oh, we're good. Um, conscious mind is anything you're aware of. The subconscious mind is is every experience you've ever had that is now pushed back into your subconscious that you don't consciously remember, but it's sitting there, right? And that's the the zone that we tap into when we dream. It's the zone we tap into when we meditate. It's the zone they tap into with hypnosis. And the unconscious mind is more like when you're in a coma, like there's no ability to access, right? So the subconscious mind stores a lot of stuff. And you can see here, the conscious mind, what you're aware of is very small compared to the whole whole of your, your psyche. And it takes a lot of energy to often keep this at bay, right? So sometimes people don't like to feel certain feelings, so they keep things pushed down. That takes a lot of energy, and they're not even aware of it, but they're holding on to it. And then if someone has a release and lets things go, they feel so much freer and lighter because they let things go they've been subconsciously holding on to. Um, the, in meditation, what happens is you can dip into 
let's say this is your, I'll call all of this your stuff, right? Your stuff, all your emotional stuff, your experiences. Like once, I remember on a Sunday when, when I was younger, in my like 20s, um, I would sit at home so Sunday mornings and I'd watch MTV and we would get chocolate croissants like from up the road, like freshly baked. And they smelt so delicious. And I would sit, I tell you the story. And I was sitting, every Sunday we'd sit there and then for a long period of time there was a red hot chili peppers were in the top 10, even back in my day, um, under the bridge or something, or whatever yeah. it's called. And I would eat hot chocolate croissants and under the bridge would be on all the time. So it was like nearly a Pavlovian conditioning. And um, it was just a nothing experience, right? It was no big deal. And about, I would say 15 years later, 15 years later, I walked into a supermarket and under the bridge was on. And I don't know why, but I suddenly smelt and tasted chocolate croissants. Like from that stimulus, all of a sudden, something bubbled up to my conscious mind that I actually tasted and smelt chocolate croissants. It was so paired with that experience, right? So that, that's just a nothing experience. Imagine all the intense experiences we have, right? So when I was doing, um, uh, you know, when I was doing a meditation, I did a meditation retreat called Vipassana, which was a non-Jewish meditation retreat many, many years ago. It's a 10-day meditation retreat where you don't talk for 10 days not a word not a word for 10 days did you understand how hard this is for me this was like the hardest thing I ever did in my life right and you're not allowed to look at people directly eye contact you're meant to be totally with yourself no music no journaling no writing like it's like 10 days imagine 10 days of Shabbat without anyone around right <laughs> it was like intense you know you, are, you were allowed to use electricity but um, and it was it was in a gorgeous place in Australia they're all around the world um, and we meditated 10 hours a day and we got up at like 5 a.m. and then we had lunch early and we were out in the, 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 the forest. It was beautiful. And what happened was after three days of that, there was a lot of value to it of being able to witness yourself without reaction and be able to just be, there's a, there's a lot of advantages to it, even though in, in essence it wasn't necessarily a Jewish practice. It wasn't not Jewish. It just wasn't a Jewish, I'll go into, I'll go into more about it later. But um, what happens is after, after a while, this stuff bubbles up. To the surface. So in in the middle of the, the three days, I was, I was my subconscious was was like sort of projectile vomiting into my conscious mind, all sorts of images that was like, whoa! I feel like I, I felt like I was a spectator watching this stuff come up, right? And just w witnessing and allowing it was clearing out the subconscious, and that means that this this line can go down here, and you end up having much more in your conscious mind, yeah, because all of that stuff got in integrated and brought up, yeah. Do you know the iceberg analogy? Of yeah. Your conscious, so it's like the water level and the exactly. floats. Right, exactly. That's exactly what that is. So it was so it's fascinating. So we can't control the conscious subconscious mind, right? We can only call, control the conscious mind. And meditation is a way of being able to control the subconscious mind. Mm. That's that's the key here, right? Meditation is a way. Um, so do you want to do you want to pause that? Yeah. Can we just pause? Oh, it's here. Can I pause it? Did you yeah. believe in meditation? I can't because I don't know the thing. Huh? Yeah. Did you yeah. use the Do I what? Did you use the term gain control of the subconscious part of the mind? And I just think it's a personal thing that um, there was definitely. We can start the tech now. Stop or start? Start. Yeah. Okay, so. Um, it's interesting. Rob Kaplan says that we learn to think as children when we're young, obviously. But many, many of us don't use our minds differently as we get older. We're just, trying, we're just thinking the same way we did as a child and we never developed our mind and ability to think as we got older. So it's a, he calls it the mentality of childhood, or whatever. But, but more advanced modes of thought 
uh, are a mentality of adulthood and you learn that through meditation to develop and to, to transcend the ways that you were raised just thinking as a child. But it takes work, it's hard work. It's not, it's not just like, let me sit back and have a chilled out meditative experience that's like fun, and right? That's not meditation's work. It's work to work the mind to be able to advance yourself for good, for good reasons. Um, and he says, usually we only use a very small portion of our mind now. Not right now when, we, when, when we're thinking, um, and most, uh, the rest of our mind is engaged in other activity, activities. Like right now, you might be thinking, oh, I'm expecting a text. Or, what am I going to do when I get home? How am I going to get home? I wonder if it's raining. Am I going to eat something again? I wonder if there's any more sushi left. Like, right? Like, the, on the background, your mind's doing that. A part of you's here, and you're looking at me <laughs> nodding. And the background, really, this is all going on in every single person's mind here. It's like unbelievable, right? So we only use, and I just sprung everyone. Everyone just like <laughs> smiled in complete guilt, basically. Um, but like, we're, we're only... We're only using a small part of our mind, and he said the majority of the mind actually sits passively, which is very sad. Um, okay, and he says also that you would, you would, it's not just about concentration. He says, like, imagine you're experiencing the beauty of a sunset or the beauty of something, and then all of a sudden you're distracted thinking about, like, what's, you know, what time do I have to get home, what, what's going... So then all of a sudden you're no longer in the moment of the sunset, you're not even able to experience pleasure and basic experiences in this world as fully because you can't concentrate. So it affects your basic experience of pleasure even. You're not able to be with whatever you're doing to experience the pleasure, you know, um, and, and it can affect, it, it can affect uh, you know, it, it can affect your whole quality of life. Um, and your attention experience of pleasure is reduced significantly. Um, he said most people go through life not seeing life in, in, in its fullness because they're preoccupied. By the way, babies know this. Oh, it's funny that she's gone with the baby now to a separate room just by herself. Because I remember I had one of my best friends I was always um, on the phone with at a certain time. And she said she can no longer be on the phone with me that time because she, nursed, she used to nurse her baby at that time. That's why she knew she had that time free. But the baby started feeling that she wasn't really present. She, she was on the phone with me. She was a little bit preoccupied. A baby who can't speak at all would get fetchy and like pull her, like do whatever he needed to do to pull her away so he would, she would be present I'm sorry, I can't talk. Baby's crying. I won't let me. It just just wants me to be. I just have to nurse, right? And so she'd hang up. And she said, when she was completely present with the baby, he was completely fine. When she was pre- when she was preoccupied, the baby knew and didn't didn't want that. The baby wanted bonding time with the mother and would would distract the mother to get off the phone. Even though you think baby's nursing, I'm on the phone. I'm with my baby physically. Like they they feel when you're not present, even at a subconscious level and and a, and a non-preverbal level. It was amazing. Okay, so states of consciousness, which is what we're going to try and access in, this, in meditation. There's two states of consciousness we know about. There's waking and there's sleeping. Right? You're awake, you're asleep. Everyone here looks a bit sleepy. Is it very hot in here? Very no. Hot in here. no? Okay. But there are different levels within waking and sleeping. There's drowsy. There's um, REM sleep when you're sleeping, a deeper level of sleep. Right? There's different states even within waking and sleeping. And there's also, you know... Um, People, for example, who train their memory, usually there's a block between perceiving things and memory, right? So different degrees. Some people have a better memory, some people... But you know you can train your memory to be able to... Like, you know, people, actor, actors and actresses have to train to read volumes and volumes of script. So once you train your mind to be able to absorb information, then you can expand your... It's nearly a different state of consciousness in the way that you absorb that information. You don't just absorb it like I would. You would absorb it, absorb it in a different way to be able to hold on to and retain that information. You can train your memory to absorb and hold lots and lots of volumes and volumes of information. That's a different, he describes that as a different state of consciousness that I can go into 
to put myself into that to, to memory to have memory but he says there's two states that access a little bit of a supernatural ability a different state of consciousness that we've all experienced one he calls like more of a a, a um, hot concentration and one a cool concentration so what is that one is when you have you ever been absorbed in a problem and you're obsessed with the problem some sort of problem to solve it and you're obsessed and it keeps you up at night and it's all consuming until you solve that problem it's like you've locked on to the problem on some level he calls that where you everything is heightened your pulse quickens your adrenaline's going you want to solve it you're absorbed in it you're completely all consumed in this in, a, in a some sort of issue or problem and he calls that um this this idea of hot con, a hot concentration but you access a higher state of consciousness and your energy and your mind and body all increase I remember when I was developing my first ever program that I, a Jewish Jewish program that I'd never um, I'd never done run a program before in the Jewish world, and I was given funding, and I was up all night like drawing on whiteboards like models of programs, and then I would take photos of it and I sent it to the donors like what do you think? Like I was up, I was so it was creative and I was excited and I was like involved and I was like all I could think of was like all the aspects of it and right, so I was inspired. So it comes through creativity, yeah. And when, I don't know if you get like that when, you, when you're doing art. I'm sure that the, the big, the genius artists were like that when they drew their masterpieces. Yeah, but you don't just have to be a genius. It, it, it can be all of us with the creative. So you get locked onto the issue. Um, the other one is more of a relaxing state. It's the other one. So sometimes you can't think of the problem. You give up and you go and take a bath. And all of a sudden the bath, oh, I got it, right? Just as you're relaxing. You know what I'm talking about? Mm. And or for me, this is really weird, and I didn't realize it was this till I read this. And I went, "Oh, that's what happened when I'm on the treadmill. I go on the treadmill to work out. I'm not thinking of anything. There's no goal to my workout except just to listen to music and chill out and run or whatever. And as I'm running, all of a sudden, bloop, up pops a solution to something, or up pops a creative idea from the subconscious. Pops up, bloop, up to the top, right? So he calls that the, uh, a, a cool concentration. Again, you access a supernatural ability. When my body is relaxed, my mind's alertness increases and my mind drifts to the solution. It's not focused. It just drifts there. And you can't, the more you try to focus it, the more you won't access it. So sometimes I get on the treadmill and I, and I, I just like, have a, a gentle intention, but I don't, if, I don't re, if I don't think about it, it's fine. But they're the best times where, where I will come up, something will happen and I will come up with something, but not because I forced it, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, so these are the two different... Um, the different types of states of consciousness that we can um, we can focus on, and the meditation we're going to do is going to be like a mantra meditation today. And mantra is a relaxing state meditation. It's the what you do to get into a relaxed state, but your mind gets more alert. Unless you're really, really, really exhausted, then your mind will just go to sleep and you'll just be passed out basically. And then you're not meditating; you're sleeping. Right? <laughs> so, like, so that's just called sleep, okay? But um, if you're too tired, then meditation doesn't work. That's why it's not good to meditate in bed at night because you just fall asleep, right? So if you want to, so nice, it's so nice. But you can do it like you can do a relaxation, but you'll re- do a relaxation and then fall asleep. If you want to practice meditation with your mind as a as a training, that's not the best time to do it, really. You know. Sometimes if you're stressed at lunch at work, it's really good to find somewhere quiet for five to ten minutes to do it at lunch at work and it resets you, right? Okay, I'm trying to whiz through this so we get to, we get to this, uh, we get to it. A little bit about the history, just a little bit. The vocabulary of meditation is a lot of it's been lost, which is really sad. Um, in Judaism or in Judaism? No, in Judaism, in Judaism, uh, to a large degree, especially during the last century. Why is the question. 
So until the, when the, the when the Enlightenment happened, which was all about um, making intellectual, uh, making Judaism more intellectual, right? Judaism needed to become more intellectual. So there was a big thrust and and, and, and focus on on making Judaism more intellectual, which meant that a lot of the other aspects of Judaism got lost or got left behind. And one of the biggest things that were were it was done at the expense of was mysticism. Um, and specifically med- meditation. So all references to meditation vanished from mainstream Jewish literature about 150 years ago. Why? Because it was never valued. It was overlooked for the intellectual pursuit of Judaism, right? It was mysticism wasn't given equal credence. It was it's a human error, right? It was it's totally in Torah. It's totally there. It just wasn't evol- It didn't evolve with the culture of Judaism. But it's absolutely there as a fundamental. I'll, I'll explain why. So he said even Kabbalistic works around 1840 lacked any meditative references and meanings of keywords were lost. But in early literature references, there abund- references are abundant about meditation. And um, even though you have to sort of search into the verbal archaeology of words to discover the true meanings, but meditation in Judaism was central to prophetic experience. You couldn't be a prophet without accessing prophecy through meditation initially. All prophets access prophecy through meditation until they learnt how to then be in prophecy and then could do it without meditation. But the initial, all that there was prophet schools, major, major prophet schools, and you would go to school to learn how to be a prophet. There was, and it was very, very hard to get into. You have to have a complete mastery of your emotions and your thoughts, even to get in. And then they would train you how to go up into more transcendental states to be able to access prophecy, right? So there were prophetic schools to go, I want to go learn how to be a prophet. This is like unbelievable, right? And the, the, the key of doing, how to do that was through meditation. But meditation was about mastery and control of your whole inner world. That's what meditation was really about. It was a very, very high level. And it says, until 400 BCE, a large proportion of Jews meditated, and the Talmud and Midrash state that over a million people were involved in these disciplines. Over a million people were involved in meditation. Okay. So, here is an overview of the meditations we are going to look at. Not all of them, but we will do a bunch. This is also a, bo- a great guide for you. And it has the Hebrew word on the left. This is the appendix from The Art of Amazement, the book I showed you. And if you, so if you look at the top, uh, there's different columns, name, meaning, goal, and method. And the first one is the mantra one we're discussing, which is called Haga, or Higayon, or Hagig. And the idea is to get to a place of pure existence and nullification of your ego. Um, the way that happens, Rav Kaplan talks about, is that you have to first learn how to focus your mind on the mantra. That takes an enormous amount of concentration and practice. And once your mind starts to focus, being able to focus on the mantra subconsciously, you don't have to focus on it anymore. It frees up the rest of you to go into a transcendental state, to a higher state. Um, but you can't do it without learning how to train your mind to focus on the mantra, to be really focused and, and present with the mantra. And that takes time because we said our mind is like a wild animal. So you have to keep training it to come back to focus on the mantra more and more and more without any other intruding thoughts. That's why there's vocal repetition of sounds, words, phrases or melodies. Um, and, uh, and, and it, takes, it takes practice. Okay. Hispodidus is isolation with analytical introspection, self-awareness. 
and that's about going into daily isolation just by yourself alone talking to usually God by talking from your heart or you can ask yourself a set of penetrating questions you can do either you can talk to God or you can go into yourself more um, and his bonus is contemplation well, I'm not going to go through it all but we're going to focus a lot on on this first uh, we're going to probably do Hagar we're going to do his bonus the third one we'll do uh I will talk a little bit about Amida. We're not going to do the Amida here, but that's a very key prayer in Judaism. And we're going to talk about the Shema. Um, and then I think that's it, because that's four weeks. Okay, so, Mantra. Um, mantra is a word or a phrase that is repeated over and over as a meditative exercise. Um, in many times of Easter meditation, it is the central exercise and it forms virtually the entire basis of transcendental meditation. And the body relaxes, as we talked about, and the mind becomes more active. But he says it works through habituation like a ticking clock. So you know when you're at work and there's a clock ticking, so at some point you zone out the clock and then you can, so you can focus on what's important, but you just zone it out. You don't even hear the clock ticking anymore. So, so too, that's what happens with mantra. At first, you have to train your mind to focus on the mantra completely, which is different to the clock. But at some point, you habituate to the mantra, so the rest of your consciousness is freed up to go higher, and you'll access higher states of consciousness through that focus of the mantra. Does that make sense? Sort of. Um, okay. He said, this seems boring and non-mystical to focus on a mantra, but it's the best way to clear the mind to be open to transcendental exercises or experiences. So, let's try it. Um, the best way to meditate as well at home is to get comfortable make sure you're not going to be disturbed at all right so turn phones off if anyone's got phones on can you just make sure they're on silent um, and to know that nothing is right and wrong it's whatever you experience you experience so again that's the hardest lesson to learn here whatever you experience you experience and it's not about right wrong doing it right doing it wrong failing it's about I'm going into the next, however, 10 minutes, and I'm going to just experience whatever I experience. And if I'm distracted, I'll be like, oh, that's interesting, I'm distracted. Like, that's it, right? I never realized how distracted I was. That's so interesting, right? And that's it. Um, there's, nothing, there's nothing more. There's no, it's not about judgment. It's about observation and um, training by, by awareness, yeah? Okay, so get comfortable. Um, they say that if you want to put your hands in your lap, you can. It's better not to clasp. Ten or minutes. I think we're going to we'll try and do ten minutes. So I'm going to lead you in. So part of that ten minutes is me talking and leading you in. So ten minutes at home. He suggests twenty to thirty minutes. He he didn't even touch. So I'm just saying ten minutes. But I don't think we can handle that. But um, he says twenty to thirty minutes a day at home. Huh? I'm nervous. Yeah, but that's good. So just notice. Isn't, isn't that isn't that interesting? I'm nervous, right? Like, and, and I don't think you're unusual. I think it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty common, like, oh my gosh, I have to sit with myself for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Like, what am I going to do? But it becomes liberating when you don't have to run away from yourself. By the way, this is the biggest struggle with Shabbos. When people start to start keeping Shabbat, this is the hardest thing. Turn off my phone and be a with myself. I can't distract myself, right? But ironically, this is the path to deeper connection and to happiness and to feeling at ease. If you can't sit with yourself for 10 minutes, there's a serious problem. Right? I don't even want to scare you that in the next world, all you're left with is yourself. That's it. There's no phones. There's no iPhones in the next world. Right? There's not... Huh? You don't know that. We do know that. We do. There's no physicality in the next world. You're left with whatever it is. 
Meaning wherever you are, meaning when I let go of all physical and I'm just with myself, that's the experience I'm left with forever. So I better like myself. It's really important. I better like the feel, whatever I've created myself to be in my consciousness, that's what I'm left to sit with. Right? So people who fill their whole lives with distraction because they can't handle being with themselves are in for a really, really scary shock at the end of their life. But anyway, that's hopefully a long time away. Um, so, okay, get comfortable. Not, they say not, no legs crossed, no, no hands clenched. If you want to relax your hands, put them unclenched in your, in your lap like this. That's a whole Kabbalistic reason for that, by the way. I don't know why. Um, and make sure you're not interrupted. And just try and stay with the process no matter what happens. Right? Just, you don't have to do it. There's no one, you, don't, you don't have to do it. But if you want to try, um, just try and not... And if you don't want to do it, that's fine. But just don't disturb someone next to you. Um, so just focus on... We're going to focus on a mantra. I'll explain it first and then I'll lead you into a deeper place that'll be like a bit of like an accelerator boost. Um, we're going to focus on a mantra. You can choose, he says, any word you want, basically. It could be nonsense. It could be like chocolate, right? Chocolate, chocolate, right? It could be chocolate. It could be, but it's better to just pick a spiritual word so that you then access the power of that spiritual word. So uh, it could be, he suggests, Ribono Sholalam, which is master of the world. Um, or you could see, uh, you could, you could um, Adonolam is master of the world. You could, if you don't want Hebrew, you could do in English, creator of the world, God of the world, my God, right? You choose what feels right for you that you feel like you would like to focus on, right? It could be peace. It could be acceptance. It could be whatever what you could, this, this type of meditation choose whatever word you want I don't feel like I, I don't have to prescribe for you you, you just has everyone got ever, ever, everyone got a mantra yes everyone just no okay you want to think of one could be anything it does not have to be but it's better to be because then that's it's going to integrate at a deep, deeper level it could be shalom is a really good mantra Shalom is, is powerful. Shalom means shalem, whole, but it also means peace. Um, so shalom, and also it's interesting, om, right? The famous om, where do you think it comes from? Okay, shalom, um, right? So, yeah, so the, so the shalom is a very good mantra if, if you don't have anything to do. Um, and what we're going to do is you're going to focus on shalom. It's really important that you say the word shalom. So you have to say it in either in a whisper or at least mouth it. It says he recommends absolutely not just saying it in your head without the mouthing of the words because you'll get lost in the abstract. The the saying it brings you into into focus and being present with it. So being able to mouth you just you have to mouth it in a tiniest, tiniest whisper, just like just that you hear it. You don't have to, no one else would hear it. Or you can just mouth the words. So and you will do it at your own pace. So you, I do it with my breath, because that feels the right pace for me. And my own breath, like when I breathe in, I say the mantra. When I breathe out, I say the mantra. When I breathe in, some people will say the breathe in and breathe out and say the mantra. Some people will just say the mantra without the breath focus at all, right? So you find out, you'll find your own rhythm with the mantra, what feels right for you, yeah? Um, and the goal here is to be with the mantra, be with the word. And what will happen is, within a few seconds, your mind will be wandering like that animal. Hmm, wonder if there's any sushi still left, right? It'll be wonder, it'll be wandering. And when you notice it's not, oh, I'm not with my mantra, you just gently bring it back to the mantra. Focus back in. So, and it'll be wandering off. And we, oh, that's interesting. 
and and it can be even the the next level will be to notice what what is what are the type what are the quality of your thinking what what are the quality of your thoughts, is it mundane day to day thoughts or is it deeper thoughts, what comes up in your from your subconscious what pops up when you focus on your mantra, try and have an awareness about the type of thinking that you have, don't judge it don't stay with that thought oh it's so interesting I'm thinking about that now whoa I wonder why I'm thinking about that whoa, what does that mean that I'm thinking no then you're going off and off and off in the mantra right just just notice what it is and then bring bring it back notice what it is bring it back notice what it is bring it back yes. So do you see that the muscle that you're flexing and pushing is the bringing back the mind of the mind to a focal point? Yes, bringing back the mind to a focal point. That's the exercise. Have an awareness about what types of thoughts you have, but there's no judgment and there's no there's no um, hanging around. What? What's the word I'm looking for? Dwelling. 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 Thank you. No dwelling on that on that those thoughts. Okay. So get comfortable. Feel your, your, your back against the chair. Feel your feet on the floor. Take a deep breath in. Take a deep breath out. each breath, allowing yourself to become more relaxed, just noticing, just noticing how you feel, noticing what feels tight, what feels relaxed, how do you feel emotionally? And as you take a deep breath in, just bringing your attention to the top of your head, giving yourself permission to relax your scalp, your eyebrows, behind your eyes, cheekbones, lips, gently scanning down your body to your neck, giving yourself permission to relax and let go of any tension. Your shoulders relaxing easily, moving your, down your arms all the way into your fingers, just finding it easy to let go, release tension, sit comfortably, bringing your attention to your chest, relaxing into your stomach, all the way down your spine, finding it easier to drift deeper and deeper and deeper into a place of somewhere still, easy, comfortable, moving down to your hips, relaxing, permission to let go, to your thighs, 
hand to your knees. All the way into your calves and your feet. Into your toes. Letting go of any tension you might feel. And if not, that's also okay. With the next deep breath, just allowing yourself. Noticing that any other sounds that you might hear around you have just helped you to drift deeper and deeper and deeper into a place of ease. And as you're in this place of ease, just bringing your attention to whatever mantra you chose. And starting to mouth or say the words preferably, whispering them to yourself. Either in sync with your breath or not. As you mouth the words, your mind will wander at some point. And as that happens, and you notice it, gently bring your attention back to the mantra. And knowing there's no right or wrong, it's more about being curious and observing the process. We'll sit here for a few minutes. and I'll bring you out at the end.
And just gently bringing your attention to my voice, becoming aware of this room, feeling your feet on the ground, on the chair, hearing the sounds in the room, five, four, slowly coming back into the room, hearing the baby cry, three, taking a deep breath, two, and one in your own time. When you're ready, it's opening your eyes and coming back into, into the room. Did the mind become more active or more more relaxed? Still. Still. Still could mean alert. Still. Meaning still doesn't have to be sleepy. No, no, no. Alert? You're not tired, right. That's that means that that's the, the, the good sign I to come. So I have to okay, true confessions. We did it with a bit of a hypnosis. So when we, when I, I I led you into hypnosis, but hypnosis is accessing the subconscious part, right? I didn't get you to do silly things, not like the mentors, <laughs> but that that going deeper and deeper and deeper. Did you like that? Going down and down and down into yourself. So that was hypnosis. But hypnosis is there's a lot of myths around hypnosis. It, it, they think it means you got power over someone. Doesn't. It means that you're accessing a much deeper part of your own psyche. I mean your own subconscious. So that you can feel a sense of stillness when you're in that place. So that's I I did I used to do therapy when I was a psychologist in that zone. I put all my clients in the zone because then they could access deeper parts of themselves to talk through that. Um, so so I want to hear from you guys what that. So it was still it was nice. Some people might have found that the opposite. I looked around at one point. No one was mouthing words. Nearly nearly no one. Not no one person. Yeah, I think I might have fallen asleep. You fell asleep for sure. Um, <laughs> I you thought I was. You were. You were. There's about two people in the whole room. That, I thought there was two, like here and there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. Kind of the I did not fall asleep. <laughs> when you're not so tired, you won't. Right. Yeah. That's the thing is your head was leaning. Yeah, you should be I sitting have to up. I focus on like keeping my head up. Yeah, you gotta sit up. It's, yeah. Otherwise, you will. You will because the body thinks it's sleeping. Mm-hmm. It's like tricks yeah. it into sleep because that's why it's not good to do it lying down. Right. Like in bed, because your body would go, oh, sleep. Was that actually 10 minutes? That was, how long do you think that was without looking at the watch? Five. Five minutes. So no, I, I led you in for four minutes, and then we sat for five minutes in silence. Uh, so the whole thing was about 10. Oh. But I, I led you in for four minutes. Um, it gets to the point when you start to get li- like, like this feeling, and it feels so good. Um, did we have that on tape, or did we stop it? Oh, it's on tape, so that now you could listen to it, or I could even make you one just for that, and you could use it if you want. Yeah, would that be you? good? Oh my god, I would love awesome. your voice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's called Headspace. Yeah. Or it's not new, but like yeah. I've heard great things. I have it downloaded, and I haven't like touched yeah, it. Yeah, I've heard good things. I don't know. And there's to like it. it's not free, but there's like a ten day challenge that's free, and you do like one ten minute meditation a day. Right, right. So I would like, like be curious to see what sort of meditations so make sure it's aligned with Judaism and. Right. Um, it's really good. But um, okay, so I can I can do that for you guys. Can you look into that to see 
Yeah. Yeah. See if it's going to be good for developing you spiritually as well. I mean, I'm sure it's good psychologically, but whether it's a spiritual frame that can also work is is helpful. There's another one too, and if I find the name, can I send it to you from the Gilbert? Yeah. Well, what did you notice? Yeah. I just want to get back to this. What did you notice about your thoughts, your responses? What did, what type of thoughts were you thinking? Were you aware of certain things? Um, I'll show something. Um, I actually like, had some like shoulder pain today, and I felt like it actually dissolved when I was in like that mental state. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty cool. Like, I caught myself wandering, but I guess... Yeah, now it hurts again. Now it hurts again? <laughs> yeah, it hurts, but less. Interesting. Okay. I was just gonna say, like, I, I caught myself wandering, but like, you're more aware of like where your mind is going. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt calm, like, while that was happening. Right, and you're more aware of your awareness, yeah. which is your soul awareness. Right. Yeah. Good. No, we don't have to. <laughs> so if you want to, you looked like you wanted to say something. Yeah, no. Did you have something in your head? No. Okay. Oh, I had like at one point I was like an itch, but I felt like I didn't need to itch it. Is that like weird? No. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm like uncomfortable, I'm just like whatever. But I was like, I like it was like not part of me. Right. Just, no. So you access the very deep part of yourself. That's a that's I've a never done that's an altered state of consciousness. Yeah, where you're accessing a higher part of yourself. It's no longer identified with the body. Um, it's a really liberating experience because you experience yourself as not just your body. Meaning, I, I, I like <laughs> like you notice your body and you're like, oh, that's cool, like. But that's there, and I feel it, but it's not me. Mm-hmm. The me is the soul. It's much higher, much deeper, much more internal, which is what you felt, that deep stillness, the deeper, it's more yeah, soul. I felt like something else. Like, I felt like something else. Like, I could smile, I can open, but I don't care right now. It was like You're in a different place. Totally different. Right. Yeah, it was cool. So the last time I did this, we described it as being like, that when you were a kid, did you ever sit at the bottom of a pool? And you looked up, and you could mm-hmm. see going above like the water. So it's like, that's your thoughts. You can get to a place where you're very deep in yourself and then you hear, see all your, your chatter, but you're no longer affected by it in the same way. You're in a different place underneath it going, oh, that's interesting. I'm thinking that again. I'm worrying again. But like, I don't have to react to the worry as if it's real. Mm-hmm. That's liberating. So that's where we're trying. And it's very easy. You've never, you've never got there before. It's very easy to get to it. With a little bit of practice, it's very, everyone can get there. Right? And then it's liberating because say you get into one of your funks, like your, your patterns of reactivity in life, someone triggers you and you feel that and you know that you feel these feelings all the time and you're in a reactive pattern and you're, you know that you're in the pattern and you can't get out of it. If you just went back and meditated for five minutes, you might be able to access a deeper part of yourself but you can let it go. It's like the best reset button you've got in your pocket and it's free and you could do it anywhere mm-hmm. and no one has to even know about it. But how do you get into it yourself? Just practicing this. Like if I make you, if, you, if I, I'll make you, you guys a, a, a five minute intro, then you can sit for five minutes, 10 minutes, however long you have, like sometimes maybe Shabbat you'll do a longer one Right, if you have some time on Shabbat. Um, but as you build a muscle for it, you'll find that five minutes doesn't feel like enough. Ten minutes. The goal is 20 to 30 minutes. Right? And you're like, oh, I'm too busy. What do you mean? You're too busy to find 20 to 30 minutes for yourself? Right? Even, even if not every... He says, he says the most important thing is consistency to commit to it every single day. If you drop a day, it's cumulative, the effect, to get into that place. So if you do it every day... It's cumulative. If you miss a day, you undo the day before. It's like the day before its work of focusing. It really, the muscle learns like you train it. The mind, sorry. Yeah. So it's really. I'm, this is like a good intro. But if you really want to get a lot out of this, it's best to do it. To do it every day, at least for the next week till next week, and come back. And, you know, like 
So, okay, anyone want to share before we finish? Anything else? No? Okay. All right, so I'm going to try and make that for you uh, later. Yeah, enjoy your float home. Have a good sleep. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Ye